Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and physical therapy pearls of wisdom to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is really to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. Hey, guess what? Today is my birthday. That's pretty cool. And so to celebrate bringing in my 30th year of life, which means I'm 29, I haven't quite cracked into my 30s yet, so back off. I just want to share a couple things with you all. I want to be able to give back because you are such an incredible community listening to the podcast. And so for using the same code TOB15, you can get a few of my favorite things. One is Vivo Barefoots. We promote these guys all the time and I'm telling you it has made such an incredible change in my own life. My feet, my toes, my Achilles tendons. I've had super high arches that caused lots of pain throughout playing basketball in middle school and high school as I was growing. And Vivos have just opened up my world by opening up my feet. They do so much for the environment. They work at getting blue-green algae out of our oceans and out of our lakes. They work on making sure that all of their materials are sourced from the only the best place. And guess what? They make our feet and our bodies stronger just by wearing them the majority of your day. So if you want to go check out Vivo Barefoots. We've had a code change. So make sure you use code TOB so that you get 15% off. That is TOB like the Optimal Body Podcast. You can use code TOB15 to get 15% off using the link in the show notes and using that code at checkout. Also, another one of my favorite things is moving with Jen. And we can move through the whole month of November, starting November 1st, which is coming up in just a couple days. Next Monday, we're launching the Grateful for My Body Challenge. We have over, we have thousands of people in this challenge already. And if you use that same code, TOB15, using the other link in the show notes, you can get $15 off this. So by using that code, and going now, you'll be able to get the program for $45. It's a dollar and a half a day, and that's going to keep you moving through November, help you start some great new habits with core stability, mobility flows, some HIIT workouts, muscle activations, and you'll have Jen, a doctor of physical therapy, there educating you through the journey the whole way, and thousands of people around the world moving through this challenge with you. So go grab that link in the show notes, join that, get some Vivo Barefoots to do the challenge in while you're at it. And let's hop into the podcast. Drum roll. We have an Olympian on the podcast today. And obviously I am fangirling out like crazy, but it is also, I am just so honored to have Samantha Pezik on the podcast. She is a sports broadcaster and an entrepreneur, but she was a gymnast for 22 years and she still really loves being connected to the sport. So she now works as like a coach and a founder of what she calls Beam Queen Bootcamp, which we're going to talk about later. But, and she's also an analyst for the Pac-12 Network and ESPN. I mean, Samantha is incredible, not only as an entrepreneur, but as a woman, what she's been through. Being a gymnast for 22 years and now going back and coaching so many young minds. This is way beyond just doing this beam queen thing and having her workshop being so physical, but it we dive really into the mental aspect behind this and what mindset it really takes 
from a young age and how you as a parent can really even start to instill that and what her mom used to do and how she even got to the Olympic level and to where she is now. She's incredible. And I know you're really going to enjoy this podcast. Samantha Pezcheck, so excited to have you on the podcast and just feel so honored that we've been able to get to know you, like especially with our time in Austin, just on such a deeper level and understanding what you're doing, how you're helping in this world of sports and athletics and in obviously in gymnastics in particular, but you're giving so much more than just the physical. And I, and I'm excited to dive into that today, but I'm just so honored that you're here. So thank you for being here with us. Well, thank you for asking me and to echo you. I had so much fun when um, (laughs) both you and Dom were here getting, getting the chance to hang out. I feel like a lot of times, especially during COVID, you don't get to see the people that you really connect with Mm -hmm. and jive with and have similar passions. And so the fact that like, you get FaceTime with people. I appreciate it so much more than I ever did before COVID. Oh my God. Yeah. And it's like the funniest thing because I feel like there were so many people over like that year and a half that Jen would either be like interacting with regularly or talking with. And she'd be like, Oh, Sam, you've met Sam. I'm like, no, I haven't met Sam yet. Like, <laughs> I haven't met so many of your friends that, you know, you've been talking about in the past year and a half. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's so funny because I felt like I knew you before we actually met because social <laughs> media is such a funny thing. It is. Right? It's so true. Um, but can you give like just a little background of how you're in the space that you're in now helping the way that you do broadcasting? I mean, you're you're your face and what you're doing is so many places, but how did you even get here? Yeah. So I started gymnastics when I was two years old and um, did gymnastics for 22 years. And I was really fortunate to be able to um, experience the sport at every single level, at the, at the lower levels, the compulsory levels, to the optional levels, to the elite levels, and had the opportunity to compete for Team USA internationally a bunch and um, at the Olympic Games in 2008, where our team won a silver medal. Then after that, I was a gymnast at UCLA and became a three-time NCAA champion. And I was, (laughs) thank you. Um, I was thinking, you know, when I was graduating, you know, how could I still stay involved with the sport on my own terms, but also give back to the sport that has given me so many opportunities that I'd love so much. Um, And I really took some time to reflect of like, okay, I think you can look at my resume in the sport and, and, it would be easy to be like, wow, she's accomplished a lot. Or this must have been easy for her. She did this at such a young age. And, you know, anyone that watched me grow up um, saw the obstacles and the challenges that I had to overcome at a young age. And so it kind of from that birthed this passion of helping gymnasts, um, not just in the sport, but giving them those life lessons and the tools to be successful in whatever they want to do outside of the sport. So I didn't know how I was going to do it, but that was how the ideation came about. And then um, I started, you know, brainstorming for an entire year about, you know, the avenue in which we could do this. And so came Beam Queen Boot Camp. So now I travel Mm -hmm. around um, the world, actually, and do two-day events, really helping gymnasts with their physical skills on Beam, but also their mental skills on Beam, which in a large part for me is confidence. Mm. I mean, beam was always my favorite, but it was more the aspect of having to 
completely put all of those thoughts aside and just go. Like for me, confidence was what you had to embody (laughs) in order to be able to perform. And I remember if ever I stood up there and I would stop and think, I knew I wouldn't be able to to go because then I would I would just like psych myself out too much in my head. And it's so crazy being when you're so young in gymnastics and having to understand Mm. all of these things at such a young age that now apply when we're older, you know, but like you think of what young gymnasts or young athletes are supposed to go through and, and the mental aspect of things is just wild. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, Maybe you and I are biased a little bit, Jen, but I think that gymnastics is the hardest sport in the world. It's um, You do it at a high level when you're very young, and it's basically four sports in one, which makes it really challenging. And like you mentioned, you know, when you're saluting and competing on a routine, if you're not, quote unquote, feeling it or you have a, you know, a moment where you're not positive in your own mind or giving yourself positive self-talk, you're going to fall, you're going to wobble, you're going to you know, not be able to perform at your best, you can't just pass the ball like other sports you can. And so I think that's what makes gymnastics really challenging, but also one of the greatest tools um, for entrepreneurs and to be successful as a surgeon, you know, or a lawyer or, you know, very critical career fields that there's a lot of pressure. So I actually think it's a it's a really great tool. Uh, Not biased at all, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, But as somebody who's outside of the sport of gymnastics and never competed growing up, other than a little camp I went to when I was in second grade where my friend and I were the only two men or boys, I suppose, at that point in the gymnastics class, I'm always super impressed and have always been super impressed with the athleticism of gymnasts just in the control of their own bodies and how they can control their own body weight. So as a PT and somebody who appreciates good movement, Gymnasts always just impress the heck out of me. So I'll say that first. Um, and I want to touch a little bit on, again, you, you talked about kind of this resume you had. And um, I think I read that you started competing for the national team like when you were 12 or something. And yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but you were like 16 at the Beijing Olympics. Yep. This is you at this young age competing at the highest level. And I always watch these gymnasts, you know, whether it's on the Olympics or um, different, you know, national championships and being like, wow, I am so impressed at these young women or young men and how they can be so poised at such a young level. Like, can you talk to anything that you may have experienced at those times when you were so young that have inspired you to do the work you're doing now? Like, did you feel like you were missing some training? Uh, when you were young that would have helped prepare you more? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. Beam growing up was my nemesis. And I actually almost quit gymnastics um, because I had so many fears on balance beam. They were crippling. I, I would get up to do my skills. And the best way I could describe it is my body would just get paralyzed. And I don't know why I was afraid. I wasn't afraid of hurting myself or falling. I just for some reason, could not get myself to do these skills. And I was the only one in my group that had these fear issues. And so, you know, it's it's funny because in a practice, you do how many skills in, a, in one practice and all the events, like hundreds of skills. But for some reason, this one skill was giving me such a hard time that that mental talk started being like, okay, I have this fear on one skill. Then the next moment, it would be like, I'm really bad at this skill. Okay, I'm really bad at the entire event. Okay, I'm a bad gymnast. 
And so I feel like I really went, gone through the trenches in terms of understanding, you know, mental self-talk and what it takes to, A, get over your fears in gymnastics setting, but also B, how to get yourself out of that rut. Um, And it's the things that I still use today. I mean, in business that I feel like kind of pulls you out of those hard days um, or in college when school is tough. And it's, it's those moments that are really tough in the sport of gymnastics that I think back and lean on when I'm struggling. I mean, 100%. I, I always said that I learned so many life values from being a gymnast because it's how you're going to practice is how it's going to show up at a competition, right? So actually doing the work. Are you doing the work? Like you can't cheat your way through to the top. <laughs> doesn't work in yeah. that sport, you know? And I also remember distinctly, I had like injured myself during a warm up at a competition before beam and my ankle was starting to swell and all this stuff. And then I had this incredible, incredible, incredible pep talk from my coach. And she kind of pointed out like the super young girls. And she was like, you know how they have like zero fear. They just don't even have the capacity for it right now. They just get up and they just go. She said, what if you, I can't even remember exactly, but it was kind of like coaching me into what if you embodied that? What if you just dropped the thinking of everything else of what could be or what could happen and, and what is happening right now with your ankle. And you just focus on the, like just getting up there and being the absolute best. And I went up and had the best routine of my life. And it was so incredible how this idea of embodying, like, what if you just focused on the possibility rather than the the limiting beliefs? What if you just focus on what's possible, you know? And and it's still something that I always say with my clients and and in in pain, people in pain or something. And it's like, I'm never going to get there. This is where my body is. This is what's happening. And it's like, what if we actually started to focus on those possibilities? And yeah. are, are there stuff that you have like, <laughs> there's so many questions that I have that are running in my yeah. mind. Yeah. Um, but I just want to know like, how you're kind of coaching these your, these women and do you see it happening in today's world in how you either coach adults or things that your lessons that are carrying through oh my gosh absolutely and you know i think it, i really have to to give credit where credit is due and my parents did a phenomenal job i think you know whether they knew they were doing this at the time or not um, of instilling confidence in me at a young age and what i mean by that is um, I've always been somebody that's been this big dreamer. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I remember being five years old and that's when I watched the the 96 Olympics on TV. And that was the moment that I decided I wanted to go to the Olympics. My mom was working, so she wasn't home. So I ran out to tell my dad my, my dream. And, you know, I think that like it could have gone a lot of different ways. And instead of my parents, you know, laughing at me or saying, oh, it's going to be a lot of hard work or whatever, you know, their response was so consistent, no matter how many crazy dreams that I had, um, most consistent one being the Olympic Games, their response was always, you can do anything you set your mind to. You can do anything you set your mind to. So I would come home and I would tell my parents, oh my gosh, like I saw this older girl, this bigger girl doing this really hard skill in gymnastics. And my mom's response would be, well, you can do it if you put your mind to it. Mm -hmm. And so that messaging at such a young, impressionable age, I think really had such a positive effect on the foundation of my mental self-talk 
looking back. And so, you know, when I was struggling in the gym and I would be frustrated that I can't get over my fears, it would be the same thing. It's like, well, you can do anything you set your mind to. And so I kind of became obsessed and fascinated with how my mind was working at such a young age because I was so desperate to get over these fears. And at the time, it felt like it was this huge, all-encompassing thing, like the weight of the world on my shoulders as an eight-year-old because of these fears. And I'm so thankful that I went through those difficult times because now it's like I have that foundation of confidence. and, And I say, I call it inherent confidence because you don't wake up every day confident. I don't believe that. It's not like, you know, your eye color. This is what I tell our girls at our boot camp. You know, you have the same color eye color. You have the same color of eyes every single day when you wake up. And I don't think you have the same level of confidence every single day you wake up. So I tell them confidence comes from hard work and positive self-talk. You have to have both in order for you to feel confident each day. And sometimes that positive self-talk is going to be, you're going to need a lot more than other days, but you still need that combination of hard work and positive self-talk to feel confident when you wake up in the morning. And it's a skill that you have to practice. And I think so many times adults look at other adults. um, I'm thinking about females. It's just just what's coming to mind. And they look at a girl and they're like, wow, she looks really confident. She's just, oh, she's just confident. Yeah. And it really bothers me when people say that because I'm like, no, they're not. They they put in the work to be confident. They're doing that hard work and positive self-talk combination to appear confident. And so I think if adults, you know, instead of categorizing themselves as confident people or not confident people, but realizing that it's a sliding scale every single day, that adults would actually put a lot more work into that aspect of life because they would think that they have more control over it. Mm, that's so cool. And I think that's so valuable, kind of this concept of seeing confidence as almost like a learned trait or a behavior that you can continue to train. Um, and you kind of touched on something that I wanted to ask a question about, uh, being your parents and kind of this message that you, you know, remember them preaching to you from a very young age. And I know that often in sports in general, but I'm guessing in gymnastics as well, like, you often get like the perfectionist parent that expects mm. so much out of their their kid and and may or may not be speaking to them in a way that is helping promote this inherent confidence that you're telling about. Uh, do you ever have to kind of coach parents or do you have opportunities yeah. for parents to get coaching from you on how to maybe put that environment around their kid who might be two, three, eight years old? <laughs> yeah, that's such a good question. I mean, it's a fine line, right? Because you only see a snippet of you know, a parent's relationship with their kid when they walk in the door, since I'm not there all the time monitoring it. So I try not to jump to conclusions too hard unless parents come to me for advice directly. Um, We also have a parent session at all of our boot camps that parents sign up for that my mom leads because it's also a little tough for me to want to help parents when I haven't been a parent myself. And so it's like, wow, I'd, I'd rather you learn from my mom who... I think I have a great relationship with and did a really great job instilling us with important values that are surrounded by personality traits versus wins and achievements. Mm. And so, you know, when I'm talking to parents, you know, I always emphasize like, you know, are they loving it still? Are they still passionate about it? You know, what's their favorite part? 
um, you know, make sure that you're asking your kid, oh, did you have fun at the competition or did you have fun today at practice versus like, oh, did you get that skill? Oh, did you score this? You know, and sort of make it more like, oh, what did you think? And and empower them to think about how they feel about it before you're kind of putting words and feelings into their mouth in their brain. Because I think especially in gymnastics, athletes are so young that when when their parents are responding to things, that kind of becomes their mental self too, their mental self-talk too. So if their parents are disappointed that they fell, and and I, th- I see a lot of times, it's not necessarily parents are upset that the kid fell, but the parent knows how hard the kid worked. And so they feel for their kid. But the athlete doesn't know the difference of the parent being disappointed at them and disappointed with them mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so it's a really interesting concept to kind of like paint that picture of, hey, listen, like it, it is fine that you feel so deeply for your kid, but you actually need to be the like, quote unquote, life coach for them and paint the picture that life's going to go on. You're going to get them next time. Wh- what what do you need to work on so that, you know, you achieve your goal next time instead of, you know, staying with them and dwelling in that disappointment, whatever that may be. Oh, my gosh, that is so huge. And I think what's hard, too, is that gymnastics, like you said, you started at two. You start at such a young age. How do you see burnout in the sport? Like, is that something that is becoming more common? And how does a how does a parent like navigate that with their kid knowing that, oh, is my kid just wanting to give up and quit because it's getting hard? Or are they really, truly just not passionate about it? Like, where is that line? Is it blurred? How does that work? Yeah, I think I think it's it's hard because I think it's different for everybody. And um, I think parents, you know, when they're watching their kids grow up, they're learning what their kid can handle and what their kid likes just as their kid is learning it. Yeah. So, you know, the kid might not even know what burnout is uh, when they're experiencing it. Um, I do think that in sport like gymnastics, when you're training so many hours that um, the intensity factor weighs on an athlete if it's consistently intense all the time. And it's hard for me to speak on because I would say my coaches did such a good job of making it fun for us. Like in the summers, we had Super Saturday and each Saturday was a theme. So Mm. we would have like sleepovers on Friday night and like plan our costume for the next day or face paint or Mm. wacky hair. And it was just like for a sport that doesn't have an off season, everyone looked forward to that. And the older girls got into it. The younger girls got into it. And it was like this really cool team thing that we did. And so, you know, when I think about Beam Queen boot camp and summer camps in general, that's why I think gymnasts love camps because it kind of splits up the monotony of it. But I will say, I mean, there was times that, you know, an elite athlete, no matter what age they're at, there's no other way around it. Training is going to be intense. I mean, I had an amazing coach Everything he did was out of respect. But there were days that were really hard and really intense. And I just remember my mom always checking in with me like, you know, because I would... The better you get in something, I think the the harder you are on yourself Mm -hmm. and and the more of a perfectionist you become. Because in a sport like gymnastics, you're chasing this illusion of perfection every single day. And so my mom would always ask me, you know, if I think she saw consistently bad days, you know, her first comment would be, you know, you have to have the bad practices to appreciate the good. 
And then, you know, her next comment to me would be like, do we want to take a long weekend off? And so, you know, her asking me that and giving me the option, uh, whether I whether I took it or not, it made me feel like I had an out if I did want it. And I think for a lot of kids, they don't feel like they have that power to say, to speak up and to say they're feeling exhausted and burnt out because they think their parent is paying for it or wants this for them or they're going to disappoint someone. So there were some times where, you know, we weren't, we weren't a big vacation household because I didn't want to miss practice, but we were like the kings and queens of long weekends. And we would go spend it at the lake and go rent a houseboat. And that was like my sanctuary. And I just remember always coming back so refreshed and so amazing. And then my coach would recognize that. And him and my mom would kind of coordinate on like, hey, when's a good time to do this? She's starting to feel burnt out again. You know, let's let's give her, you know, a refresher so she can come back fresh. So, you know, they really work together as a team, which I'm thankful for. So Mm. huge. That's so cool. And I think, I mean, kind of to that point, there's so many things that athletes do that almost kind of set us up, set ourselves up for disappointment. And, you know, one of those things is like setting a goal. You know, a lot of people will set goals. I mean, in your sport to maybe hit a certain trick or hit a certain score or whatever, whatever you call it. What is it? A move, a a flip. I don't know. Come on. Kill. He's trying. Kill. He's trying. <laughs> Sorry. But I, I know that goal setting's huge. And I saw that, you know, in your Beam Queen club that you work with the the women on goal setting. And how do you maybe approach this? Because can you give us a sneak peek on how you approach goal setting? And even speaking into like, if you don't hit the goal, how can you do so without being disappointed and maybe contributing to this this disappointment or pushing people away from the sport. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's great, right? Because and sometimes it's it's hard to talk to kids about this depending on their age and their level, because um, on one hand, you want them to set goals and learn what short term and long term goals are. But then on the other hand, you don't want them to get so stuck on them that they they're having horrible days because they're not accomplishing these goals that we made such a big deal. Right. And so, um, you know, we do talk to them about, you know, what's what's your goal this weekend on Beam? Okay, what's your goal on Beam this season? So short-term and long-term goals. And we'll say them out loud and I'll give examples of like, you know, someone wants to get a skill they've never done before on the low beam and they want to get it on high beam. You know, we'll kind of talk about how that's not really a realistic or attainable goal for this weekend. But that's a great goal for a long-term goal. So yes, of course, write that down. But let's think of something that's achievable today, whether it's straightening your knee on a scale or some smaller goal that you can achieve. Because when you achieve those short-term goals, and no matter how small they are, that helps you build confidence in yourself as well, achieving those goals. And so um, I kind of talked to them about something that I did personally um, as a gymnast. And at the end of each practice, my coach would tell me something that I needed to work on for the next day and something he was really proud of me for. And this is something that I carried with me when I went to college too. At the end of my practices in college, I would tell myself, okay, tomorrow I really want to, you know, be more consistent with this skill or whatever it is. And then, you know what? I'm really proud of myself because I was not feeling it today. And even though I fell a bunch, I had a good attitude the whole time. And I'm proud of myself for that. So I kind of teach 
the girls this kind of tactic of when you walk out of the gym, always leave on a good note. And just because you maybe didn't have a bad, maybe you had a bad day on a certain event, that doesn't mean the whole three hours, two hour, four hour practice was a wash. You know, find one thing that you are really proud of yourself for, whether it's helping a teammate, cheering for somebody else, speaking up and asking a question to the coach, or maybe you did something impressive with your skills. So kind of giving them the range of all these things that they can be proud of themselves for. And a lot of times these gymnasts just don't know that you're allowed to be proud of yourself for those reasons. So it's really cute to see that light bulb moment go off. And when they share their responses of things that they love about themselves and things that they're you know, proud of themselves for, it's really awesome to, to hear these like high level concepts coming out of young girls' mouths, because that's what I know is going to stick with them for the rest of their lives. I mean, that that's everything. That's like, that's huge. That's how we go through life, right? If we're constantly yeah. just focusing on what's not working or walking out of a, a, a work day, feeling so deflated it, like it it's just deflated did i just make up a word deflated right. <laughs> I, I knew i knew what you meant babe. you know what i meant you know <laughs> <laughs> but you know it, it's just like it's having that ability to switch that mindset and and what what can i walk out of like how did i how was my attitude throughout that how did i respond i mean teaching that too at such a young age is just going to be so valuable i feel like so many people still get to learn that skill. You know, they, uh, that's something that anyone can still at this point in life start to implement. And I know something as well with gymnasts in particular, and you kind of touched on it, is that perfectionist mindset, mm. right? Like that is, yep. you, it's literally the goal of the sport is to be perfect. So how do, how do you break away from that? Or do you? Yeah, I mean that's tough, right? When that's the the essence of your sport, and I, I I like to talk about being perfect in gymnastics as the illusion of perfection, the the illusion of being perfect, because um, I think it helps paint the picture to these young girls that no one's ever perfect. And I tell them that I'm like Simone Biles. Um, I mean, I guess her scores are not out of a ten, but let's use you know Caitlin Ohashi for example. She's gotten a bunch of perfect tens in her college career. But when I talk to her about it and I watch these routines, you know, she wasn't 100% perfect. The judges just missed it because she did such an amazing job covering it up. Mm. And so, you know, I talk to these girls about it's the illusion of perfection. It's not necessarily you're always being perfect. It's, you know, how closely can I get other people to think that I was perfect on these moves and this routine? And so I think that, you know, in life, gymnasts in general are just such hard workers at such a young age. And so talking to them about working smart versus working just hard is an interesting topic because that's, I think, sometimes where perfectionism gets the best of us, right? Because you want to keep going, keep going, keep going till it's perfect. Well, you also have to realize that if you do 300 million of one skill, then you're, you might get injured because that's not safe to do that many numbers on a, a sport that's as pounding as gymnastics. And so um, you kind of have to paint the whole picture of, yes, of course, we want to work hard and we want to you know, get these skills and get the confidence. But what does working hard actually mean? And that doesn't mean taking like three trillion turns all the time, but it's about being more intentional with those turns 
so that we can, you know, fix the things that were maybe slightly off versus um, when we do it well, that's also a learning moment too. What did I do this time so I can repeat it for the future? I think that all of these things that we're talking about, I mean, it's really things that every athlete needs to start putting in their tool bag. And I think that something that I really wanted to address was 99.99 plus percent of athletes retire at some point or end up Mm -hmm. kind of leaving that sport to some extent, at least from a competitive standpoint, whether you compete and win a gold medal or a Super Bowl or you decide to retire when you're in high school from your, your sport. And so I think a lot of these skills, again, translate into entrepreneurship or translate into the workspace in your eventual career. How do you potentially coach some of these young women into developing other passions or understanding that someday the sport may end and that we might need to figure out what we transition into and how all these skills are so beautiful at helping me transition into a really purposeful life beyond this? Um, you know, in, in a roundabout way, you know, I, I, we talk about what do you love about yourself? You know, what, not what do you love about yourself as a gymnast, not what you love about your gymnastics, but what do you love about yourself as a person? And, you know, the answers are so cute. Some people say, you know, I'm really pretty or (laughs) I'm really smart. Um, and then some of them are, I'm really creative and I'm an amazing friend and I'm a good listener and I'm a great cheerleader. And so the answers range depending, of course, uh, how old the girls are, but just having them think about themselves separate um, as themselves as as a gymnast, I think is really important to develop that self-worth, that well-rounded self-worth, of course. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talk about going back to confidence of, you know, what does confidence look like? You know, how can you tell somebody at school is confident? And so the girls raise their hand and, and they, you know, have good posture or they they walked in and they they were confident when they walked in and, and the answers range, right? And so I think the the one thing that I like to share with them that I think maybe is the most the biggest nonverbal cue to confidence is eye contact. And so, you know, whether you're saluting to a judge at a competition or you're shaking someone's hand at a job interview, you have to look them in the eye. And it seems maybe silly to to us and adults, but teaching kids that you know, having them have that aha moment and showing them how weird and silly it is. <laughs> if you look down when you're shaking their hand, I think that's really important for, you know, when they go to get that internship in college, they're going to have this basis of, you know, what's respectful and what's polite and also what exudes confidence because everyone in, in the workforce wants somebody that appears to be confident in themselves. I mean, just being able to learn these lessons at such a young age, I I do think is just so valuable. I mean, the fact that you're bringing this to young kids, you know, and even to, you know, just adults, I think adults being able to hear this as well is absolutely so huge because forming and shaping young minds and understanding this, like I remember sitting in my sports psychology class in college and feeling like, oh my gosh, if I learned a lot of these concepts when I was young and going through gymnastics, like maybe I would have gotten over some fears. Maybe I would have stayed like I just you don't you never know. And so being able to have this level of of healthy mindset education and Mm -hmm. even being able to bring this to adults so that they can understand it when they have kids or they're coaching or anything else is just absolutely 
so huge. And how did you go from, okay, I'm, you know, you did such incredible things with your sport and as an athlete to now transforming into not only, you know, running all these boot camps and helping kids all over the world, but also transferring into becoming an entrepreneur and stepping into having your own podcast, which is incredible, by the way, that everyone needs to go check out. I have cool friends, but also, you know, just everything that you're doing, like, how did you have the confidence to say, okay, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep exploring. I'm going to keep expanding. Yeah. I mean, gosh, it's, it was crazy because I had had a goal to go to the Olympics since I'd been five years old. And I feel like I, you know, I did well in school. I studied, I, I got good grades on tests, but in terms of like my goal for 14 consistent years, um, it was pretty much to go to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And so after I got back from the Olympics, I don't know what I thought was going to happen, but I had never thought a day past the Olympics of like what I wanted to do in the future. And I don't know if I like thought that I was going to get like a free trip to heaven or like a million bajillion (laughs) dollars or what I thought was going to happen. But I really got into this rut of, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? Like I was so passionate about doing this one thing and I did it. So now what? And so that concept of of resetting goals, that long-term goal was was really tough for me actually, because I had never thought about what I was passionate in. So throughout my time in college, I kind of tried to figure out, you know, what I like to do, what I was passionate in. And um, it's funny, you know, looking back how my career has evolved because I thought that I was just really passionate about telling stories and inspiring people. And those are the two things that I knew. And I thought that I, you know, really wanted to be this ESPN sports reporter. Um, I loved football. So I'm like, okay, maybe that's my, my passion and my calling. And, you know, as years went by, I started to kind of fall into this entrepreneurship. And, you know, looking back now, it's like, of course, my, what my passions are have been the same, but the way I'm executing them and my audience is very different. And I am, you know, loving being an entrepreneur and learning every single day and growing myself because, you know, the truth is I'm teaching all these kids about confidence and, you know, how to set goals and how to have positive self-talk. And it's things that I'm still practicing today. Mm. You know, like I just finished a podcast with this um, guy and girl, Jake and Caroline Danahy, and they created a sustainable clothing brand out of plastic water bottles Mm -hmm. that is absolutely crushing it. And I just hung up with them. And my internal thing was like, I'm so like jaw dropping, impressed by the impact they're able to make. Like, why am I not making that big of an impact? And Mm -hmm. I started to get this spiral of like, holy crap, like they're amazing. And what Beam Queen should be doing this and we should be, you know, and then I, I'm like, I laugh at myself when I start getting into that spiral because I'm like, this is everything I, I talk to the girls about, you know, when you're in that, when you start to notice your negative self-talk, like think about it and think about, okay, all right, we got to like come back down to earth. I'm doing great things in the space that I'm in. And like, you can be inspired by somebody else without feeling bad about yourself in what you're doing. And so it's, it's funny that I'm teaching the kids this, but even, you know, Jen and Dom, you guys get this too. It's an ongoing um, practice of positive self-talk for your own business and for yourself as well. That's so important, that uh, process of just continual reassessment and development and understanding that you are never 
quite fully there. You're just constantly in this, you know, re-improvement and development stage in life. And if that mindset ever changes and you feel like you're there or, you know, like you said, you feel like you're spiraling and, oh, I'm not, I'm not where I need to be. You got to return back to those original principles. And you almost like addressed one of the questions that I was, you know, going to want to ask about once you got into this area of entrepreneurship and, or even, you know, wanting to be a reporter, you know, like, is there a time that you felt like you were going for something? And then once you got there, you're like, huh, you either felt like it could have been perceived as a failure or, you're like, this isn't exactly what I thought it would be. And then, you know, how you kind of either talked yourself out of that or use some of the old skills that you learned through gymnastics to redirect. Yeah. You know, it, it's really tough. I mean, achieving something like becoming an Olympian when you're 16, I mean, it, that is that is tough to top, you know, <laughs> like factually. It yeah. is mm. that is tough. And and somebody that's a high performer, whether it's in music or sports or whatever, you want to keep building off of your successes because it fuels you, right? And you're passionate about things. And so I don't think it's a it's a bad thing that you want to keep leveling up. But man, something like the Olympics is it's just hard to to grow from, you know, if you if if that's your comparison, right? Yeah. And so, you know, when I graduated college and I was starting at basically zero. Um, you know, you come from being the the top man in in your skill and in your sport, and then here you are now having to start completely at the bottom of something totally different. It's just you know a work in progress of okay, you know what do I know? How did I get good in gymnastics? It's not because I came in thinking I was an expert. It's because I was really a sponge and I was a student of whatever craft I was trying to be. So I need to do that for all of these other interests that I have: sports broadcasting, entrepreneurship. You know, and so sports broadcasting and sideline reporting, I was like, I can't tell if I don't like this or if it's not fulfilling or if I'm just not good at it yet to to appreciate the thrill of it. And so, you know, we did it for a couple of years and there were certain aspects that I really loved about it um, and certain aspects that I'm like, I don't know if this is fulfilling for me. Um, but it's also, you know, kind of interesting changing your goals and your career path when you know, growing up, I just had this one consistent goal. And so, you know, battling that, okay, I'm not quitting this. It's just that I'm finding something I'm more passionate about, or more fulfilled by. And that's kind of what led me to go all in being an entrepreneur is I loved learning about business and the systems and how I could impact these young girls and the research we could be doing. And you know, the positive change I can make in my network in the gymnastics world. And so I think that's important to recognize too. But a lot of times when I was starting out with business, you know, you get into a rut with something and maybe you guys have felt like this too, where you're just like, I just don't know how, you know, and like you're researching and you're learning and you're just frustrated because you just don't know the right decision to make mm -hmm. because you've never done it before. And so, um, you know, a lot of that times is like, you have to talk yourself off the ledge of like, okay, yes, I may not be qualified, but there's a lot more people doing this less qualified than me. So if they can do it, I've got a great shot at doing this. Exactly. And that circles right back into like, you know, always holding on to those, those possibilities rather than, and, and speaking into, you know, okay, maybe it wasn't perfect, but here's what I'm proud of myself for learning and understanding and asking the questions and we're going to come right back tomorrow, you know, and, and walking out of every day 
with that positive mindset shift. And and how long were you a gymnast for? 22 years. Exactly. And it's like, and how long have you been an entrepreneur for? Right, right. You know, yeah. um, gosh, how long? I'm like losing track of time. How old am I? Um, like five, five years, you know, five, right, six years. It's like so, so when you different. In, yes. And when you put it in perspective, it's almost funny when you're like expecting yourself. And I think adults do this in a lot of different areas of their life, whether it's like a hobby like tennis or golf or, you know, you expect to just be at the same level at every single thing you do because of your age or, you know, your expertise in something else. And really it's like, okay, think about it. You have to give yourself grace to learn the trait and to put in the work for you to become this expert in whatever you want to do. 100%. Yeah, that's everything. Um, Okay, so I know that as you're continuing to do this, you're also meeting incredibly cool people. (laughs) So can can you, and I know that there's so much to learn from people just through their experience. So can you talk a little bit of why you created your podcast of what you have now? Yeah. When I was in sports broadcasting, I realized, you know, an avenue that I was missing in that career field was storytelling. I loved learning about other people's journeys and struggles and achievements. And, you know, I have always been somebody that's had a, that likes to having a large social circle. And I brag about all of my friends to my other friends. And so when I was thinking about starting this podcast, I was like, I really just want to give a platform that hypes up people in my life that are doing something unique or cool that other people can learn from. And maybe it's a skill, maybe it's a way of thinking, maybe it's just like educational information, but I felt like it was something that I was passionate about doing. And so when I started, I just had a bunch of, you know, my quote unquote, cool friends (laughs) um, who are exceptional in business, wellness and personal development. And we just have inspirational conversations about high level topics. And it's usually what their expertise is. But, you know, we talk about balance and we talk about confidence and we talk about how they got there and their pain points. And um, it's really interesting for me because it kind of paints the full picture, right? Because everyone's on Instagram and, you know, you follow all these people on Instagram. And most of the time, it's really a highlight reel. So sometimes you can look on Instagram and be like, wow, this person is literally always on vacation or always, you know, starting a new company or always, you know, whatever it is. But, you know, when I get the chance to kind of have a sit down with them and and discuss what's the inside scoop, I get the full story, you know, like they really struggled with um, production early on in their company or they really struggled with going in debt first and then learning all these things. Like everybody has a really unique story, what I found. And I'm the type of person that loves to learn something from everyone I meet. So I feel like it's been such a benefit in my life to be able to learn from such knowledgeable people. That's huge. That's so awesome. So cool. And you have <laughs> lots, um, lots cool. of cool friends, um, especially because we're your friends and we're, and we're super cool. That is, true. That is so true. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but not really. We're awesome. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Um, I would encourage everyone to go listen to that because again, like you said, when you watch people online or see people on their Instagram, it it sometimes can seem like this unattainable life of perfection. And that's really not the reality when you talk about, uh, talk to a lot of these people and hear their stories. And so 
I would encourage everybody to go listen in on that. And you'd be surprised at some of the stories that you hear uh, from some of these incredible individuals who are achieving amazing things and the challenges and struggles that they went through to get there. Um, along with that, where else can people find out more about you, find more out about your boot camp? if there's any parents or any younger gymnasts out there that are interested in that? Beam Queen Bootcamp's website is beamqueenbootcamp.com and that's beam, like the, the event in gymnastics, beam queen bootcamp. And that's our Instagram as well. Be at Beam Queen Bootcamp. We're on Facebook. It's the same thing, Beam Queen Bootcamp. And then we also have a YouTube channel where um, you can check out recap videos. We have some tips um, from our college coaches, from Olympians on our YouTube channel. And then um, if you want to, if you're international and you can't make it to an actual Beam Queen Bootcamp event, we have an online program called The Club that you're welcome to join. And we do live digital events um, that are interactive and gymnasts ask their own questions. And they're really interesting topics about, you know, how to, to compete at your best, how to fuel your body, um, how to recover your body, which I know you guys are interested in. Mm. Um, and it, a lot of cool things to make you kind of that 24 seven athlete um, to help you inside the gym. So check it out. I'm at Samantha Peshik for all of my Instagrams and social media channels. Amazing. You're incredible. I just mm. love seeing everything that you're doing. Thank you so much for coming on and yes. dropping so much knowledge. This has been a really fun conversation. And I'm just so excited to be able to see you again in California when you come visit us. <laughs> yes, I can't wait. Well, thank you guys for, for having me. And um, I love, I always love talking to you guys. So whenever, whenever you need me, just pick up the phone. Thanks. Appreciate you, Sam. It's just so crazy to me to think that Sam was competing in the Olympics when she was 16 and even at the highest levels of gymnastics as early as 12 years old. Crazy to think about the amount of confidence it would take as a young woman to compete at those levels and hear about some of the struggles that she may have had along the way and now how she's using those lessons to empower countless other women in their journey and even empower herself in the world as a businesswoman and entrepreneur. Such a cool story. If you loved what you heard, please share it out with a friend. Of course, try and leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcasting app because that just helps us blast this information out to that many more people. And of course, we'll see you next time on the Optimal Body Podcast. <laughs>